This 10th chapter of St. Luke's Gospel gives us this, uh, this tremendous parable, uh, the story of the Good Samaritan. This is one that uh, my spiritual director in the seminary, I may have mentioned this before, uh, every time it comes up, I, I recall this particular thing. My spiritual director, when I was in the seminary, he suggested I, that I pray with this passage uh, for a full month, every single day, that this would be the content of my holy hour, just this passage. And I said, okay, very good. And so I went back to him after a month and uh, reported what my reflections had been, my meditations and all this. He said, good, do it this month too. I said, goodness gracious, right? <laughs> give me something else, right? You know, this, you know, give me some extra, some, some different fuel. But uh, essentially, the, the reality is that this passage and really every passage from sacred scripture is enough for us to meditate on every single day for months at a time, if need be, and always to find fruit. It was fascinating to me that, that through the course of two months, again, there were many times where I meditated upon the same aspect, kind of reflecting upon it in different manners, but, but how different things opened themselves to me uh, through the course of those two months that uh, I had not expected. I thought, I'd, you know, you think you plumbed the depths after you've been doing something for 50 days consecutively, uh, and then something surprises you. This is the gift of the sacred scriptures. But part of my reflections in there was, was being able to pray as each of the individuals. And this is something my director had, had encouraged uh, from the first. And is to pray as each of these individuals and to see, to, to see where is this individual in me? Where is this person in me? And so we can first start with, with uh, the man in the ditch, right? The one who's in need here. Because this is our fundamental condition that every single one of us is the one who has been beaten and stripped and left dead in the ditch. We don't think of us as such. We think of ourselves as, you know, generally, generally, you know, capable and able to do for ourselves. But the simple fact is that, that this parable is, is not entirely about um, earthly things. The parable, as we see, is the story of humanity. And so, we are that man in the ditch. We are the one who can't do anything for himself, the one who can't get out of the ditch, the one who can't care for his own wounds, the one who can't find safety, who can't find protection, who can't find healing, and ultimately can't find life itself. Left to ourselves, we will simply die in the ditch. This is for us simply to say that in, the, in this world, we must come to a point of our recognition, a recognition of our absolute need of Jesus Christ. Not that he is just kind of a, that it's good to have him, that there's a, you know, he's, he brings a lot of blessings to our life, but certainly these things are true. But it's for us to recognize in the depth of our humanity that I need Jesus Christ, and without him, I am lost. I am dead. Because this is the truth of things. We need Jesus to have eternal life. We need Jesus to have life in general. Just for him to, to, to cease to, for, to give us life for a particular moment, we would cease to exist. Literally. He's God. <laughs> we need Jesus. We need Jesus to have life. So it's first for us to consider this as the fundamental starting point our need for him. The fact then is that there are also other individuals that arise within us that we can see from this meditation. The three who are passing by on the way who see this man in the ditch. The first being the priest. 
the one who happened to be going down the road, sees the man, and he says, when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Secondly, similar to him, so we can bring them, we can join them together, a Levite came to the place, and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. And so the one question is, are, the, are these just cold-hearted people? Do they, do, they have no, do they have no concern? Is there nothing, nothing of pity stirred within their hearts? There might have been. But the simple fact is that, that for these individuals to be able to go and to tend to this man would make them ritually unclean. To be able to, to go and to care for someone and to touch blood, to touch blood, uh, was because uh, blood is life. It, when blood is poured out, it is death. So to touch blood that has been poured out was to be impure. You would touch death itself, much less to touch a man who might actually be dead. And so these individuals, presumably because they have religious obligations, perhaps in the temple or their local synagogue or in their family, you know, family setting, some communal prayers and things, there's a variety of reasons that these people, that uh, they might have good reasons not to go to the man so that they might be able to tend to something else, that they might be able to, to, to take care of their ritual obligations. They have reasons. And maybe because of these reasons, they pass by on the opposite side. Not simply enough to walk by the man in the ditch and to, and to be near him, but to, lest one accidentally fall and trip on, a, trip on a twig or, you know, slip on a rock and fall into the ditch and touch the man himself. You want to be extra, extra safe and careful and make sure you're on the opposite side of the road. That way, in case anything happens, you're still very far away from the one that will make you unclean and unable to do the worship that is offered. And so, it seems that they have good reason. And certainly there are times where we in our own lives may think that we have good reason not to do the will of the Lord. There's always a reason that our minds can come up with in so many ways. One particular example that often comes to mind is the reality of, uh, of our stoplights at major intersections in our city, where very frequently you will find someone coming to, uh, to make their way with usually oftentimes a little sign, but they're looking for a little money, you know, some kind of some sign indicating their need. And so, how easy it is and how often it can happen that as one may be coming, you might have a dollar or two in hand or maybe a prayer card or a kind word to give to them, and, but then the light turns green. Ah, don't want to hold up traffic. Off we go. Without actually having to stop to say a thing, without providing help. And the simple reality is that this is one simple concrete experience that I'm pretty sure most of us have had who have driven anywhere within our city in any recent time. But the fact is there are a thousand other ways in which we simply find green lights within our life. We find some reason, some excuse why it is that we don't have time. Perhaps we don't have the, the ability. I don't know that I can really help them anyway, so why even try? I don't know that I have the skill set to be able to, to, to assist. So, you know, I, or, you know I'm, I'm busy about things. I'm, you know, I'm cutting it close already, and I might be late to the thing that I've already committed to. Therefore, we set things aside. We're willing to set aside so many things in Christian charity, and with good reasons, it may seem, at the time. But in doing these things, very often we will fail to show forth that great gift of charity that is called from us. There's also the places in our lives where we do respond, at least I hope so, in the, in the manner of the Samaritan who is walking down the road. The Samaritan is the one who comes and stops with the man picks him up, and then brings him, uh, places him on his own animal, and brings him to the inn to care for him. 
This, of course, is the symbol of Christ. It's the symbol of the Lord Jesus, who we, in our weak humanity, we, again, are the man in the ditch that cannot save himself, cannot bring life to himself, that passed by the, by the world in so many ways, the individuals of the world can't even save us if they had tried. It's Jesus who saves us. And so it's Jesus who is this good Samaritan in disguise. It's Jesus who comes to be able to, to pick us up and to be able to, to inconvenience himself. Presumably, the Samaritan was busy about his own work, too. He had things going on. He was going from place to place. He wasn't just going up and down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho to get in his steps that day. He was busy about things. And yet, in the midst of this, seeing one who is in need, he goes and cares for him. Again, picking him up, risking all of these things, risking injury himself in this. And then he pours water, he pours wine and oil over his wounds, the signs of the sacraments. There, the wine to be able to purify, the oil to be able to strengthen. These things come and they, they cleanse the man, and bringing him to the inn, he gives the innkeeper two coins and says, whatever, whatever, you, whatever you use beyond this, I will give you, I will repay you in return for it. The simple fact is that that our Lord Jesus comes with a tremendous amount of grace in the two coins to be able to allow ourselves to continue to be cared for. The story is particularly relevant, too, because in the Samaritan, in, in the, the culture of Jesus' day, this would have been a shocking thing for the people to hear, because as you may recall, Jews and Samaritans were not exactly friendly with one another. To be able to have one call another a pig or a dog as the nice way of referring to your neighbor is exactly how they would have understood it. The Samaritan seeing the man in the ditch, according to the culture of the day, would have been perfectly reasonable to walk over, spit on the man, curse him, and walk on in the rest of his way. That would have been acceptable for the kind of friendship that they had for one another, the kind of care and concern and mercy that was shown to one another. But this is not what took place. Seeing the man, he set aside everything, even the cultural norms of the day that said he is supposed to be separated from this man and does something which is miraculous, ministers to him despite everything else. This is the gift of our blessed Lord who comes down to us, who, although he is God, he humbles himself and takes on our very flesh to be able to ransom us for the Father's house. He does the thing that should not be done. God should not be stripped of his glory and yet he does it anyway for love of us. Where is it that we are, are the good Samaritan? Where is it that we are the one who is able to go to serve others? When in the midst of our lives are we busy going from place to place and allow ourselves to be inconvenienced by the needs of another person, to minister to them? And sometimes it doesn't even have to go that far to be around town. It can simply be in the home. We would rather read a book or we'd watch a TV show or rather do this or we're busy about cleaning that when in fact some particular need arises and we set these things aside to be able to go and to serve, to be able simply to show love, to show mercy, not to allow others to remain in their own, in their own trials by themselves, but to be able to inconvenience ourselves to some degree and to be able to show this charity that wells up within our hearts. And then lastly, it is for us to wonder where it is that we are the innkeeper. The inn 
many of the doctors and, and the early fathers of the church point to the inn really is the church. So to some degree, the innkeeper are the priests and the bishops of the church who are the ones who are to continue to give the sacramental gifts. The, 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 the two coins that are left uh, for the innkeeper to continue to administer uh, the wine and the oil, as well as to give the man shelter, these are things where the church has entrusted to the priests of the church, the clergy of the church, the ability to minister with the sacraments, to be able to give that grace, to be able to give that, the sacraments that are healing us, strengthening us, giving us life, renewing us. And so, in some degree, it is the clergy of the church who are the innkeeper. But a need for us, all of us can recognize our place in this, that all of us are part of the inn that is the church. All of us labor in the inn in some manner as others come in and, as the, and others come in there to find rest, to be able to, to, to be healed in some manner. It is for us to acknowledge the fact that all of us, as the innkeeper to some degree, are the ones entrusted with caring for our brothers and sisters whom the Lord Jesus brings to the church. And this is the fact of things, as the Lord Jesus is bringing people to his church. Although we may arrive here by a whole variety of different routes, uh, as uh, spiritually speaking, the fact is that it is Jesus Christ who has willed that we be part of his mystical body. It is Jesus Christ who has willed that we be Catholic and to embrace and to celebrate and to live this Catholic faith and to allow this Catholic faith to be something that nourishes our brothers and sisters around us. Those other settler, settlers who are resting at the inn in the midst of this, of, the, of, this, of this world, to be able to minister to them and to care for them, to watch over them and to help them in their time of need here in the church. So these are the places where we find ourselves. And again, all of this is simply the reality of what is happening with our humanity. It's the Lord Jesus who goes. He comes, he brings the, the man to the, to the end. He, he leaves the two coins and says, I'm going, but I will come back. And whatever you do on my behalf, I will repay you. And this is the simple fact of our Lord's own leaving us. He has gone away for a time. And here we are in the end, ministering to one another and being ministered to. And we are waiting for the day where the master comes back, where the good Samaritan will return and he will return. And on that day, we will be repaid. The just will go to eternal life. The wicked will go to eternal death. This is the fact of things, is that our Lord is here with us. Our Lord has gone, but he stays. He continues to provide all of these things to nourish us, particularly with the gift of his grace in the Holy Eucharist today, to allow these things, these, these individuals who abide within us, to be nourished and for us to continue to grow in holiness of life, for us to recognize our need of him today and to be able to give everything that we have to him, to surrender all to Christ and there to forth to receive his healing in his life, to recognize that there are places where we fail, where we fail to show charity in our daily life, to ask his help, to ask his conviction, the power of his Holy Spirit, his wisdom, his knowledge, and his understanding ask his fortitude to be able to live in such a manner as to be more bold in our service of others, not to allow the reasons that easily come to mind to excuse us from charity, but to set them aside so as to serve. For the places where we do this already, to ask the Lord's grace to continue to strengthen us in this, that our virtues are our habits, 
They are holy habits that are formed within us. And we pray that they might continue to increase and to be, to be strengthened, that they might endure. And all of this to recognize also that we must assist our one another in the church first and foremost. Our brothers and sisters in the Lord, many of whom, many of them in our Catholic faith still have not met the good Lord. They are like the man who's been, they were like the man who, although in the ditch, was unconscious when he was brought to the inn. And he was brought to the church, but he's never seen the man who picked him up. Many haven't met Jesus. And so it's for us to tell them about this man so that they might be able to know him in some manner here and now, looking forward to the time of his return. These are the graces the Lord offers to us today. This is the gift that is given to us in Holy Church. This is the word that is spoken to us in the sacred scriptures. May the Lord open our hearts wide to receive this grace, to drink deeply of the gift of his spirit.